Hello and welcome to the Engineering YouTube and podcast. I'm Paul, your host. This podcast is all about Porsche and the cars and the people and the technology and the engineering that goes behind it. You'll find your Porsche stories, which is us, me, talking to you about your Porsche, your journeys and your life experiences with those cars. Tech Talk, which is all about the technical aspects of Porsche. Waffle, which is just me whistering on about basically anything with some friends. And Heritage, which looks at the entire journey of Porsche from the earliest days to the present day. If that sounds interesting to you, then stick around. Welcome back to the Engineering YouTube and podcast, and welcome to episode 35. This week, it's a Heritage episode, so a full-length episode, so you can go and grab yourself a coffee or settle into your drive or whatever it is you're doing, but this one's a long one. Um, before we get to that, as you know, there's normally a, an intro, and then we'll catch up at the end. This week... Um, it's been booking week for me, so I've started looking at the gaps in the year, trying to balance a bit of work-life balance and uh, exciting bookings to keep engineering going and, yeah, what we've got coming up. So, um, talked about Tuthill, talked about Ren Sports. They're the two that I'm really excited about, about going to see um, companies that create some of the best resto mods, although I think that so it lightly undersells what they do but also it's not just as i've said lots of times it's not engineering isn't just about the cars or the engineering and the development behind them it's about the people and one of those people um i've been trying to book for oh, i don't know about 18 months and i met the fella at um the fella's a good use of word actually because he uses that all the time at bista heritage and it would have been it must have been two years ago now I don't know what event it was, but I was just walking around the place. Um, and quite often when you go there, you'll see um, celebrities, people in the car industry, journos, whoever it is. And they're not necessarily working. They're just enjoying being a car enthusiast, enjoying being a petrol head. Um, so I walked around the corner and Singer had a, um, I don't know if they still do, but at the time they had um, a small, not even a showroom really, just a kind of demo area. And they had one of the, um mules there and at the same time made a customer's i think it was a customer car or a prototype uh, and i sort of was taking a good look at it getting some nice panning shots to do some reels over on instagram at engineering uk on instagram by the way and then i turned around and i thought that's bloody mike brewer from wheel adidas mike brewer from tv uh and he was just standing there chatting away as if he was any other guy any other car enthusiast um and it just so happens that we were just in close proximity uh i think i was talking to somebody else and he overheard and then chipped in with a comment and i chipped in with another comment and before we know it we were there for good 20 25 minutes talking about cars talking about porsche and off the back of that conversation i said listen i don't especially fancy coming on the podcast do you um and this was pro well because it was a couple of years ago now it was way before he'd done road to success or sat down with Johnny um, on Johnny's, um, not on Scratch and Sniff, but, or Sniff and Smith. I always think, I always say Scratch and Sniff. Um, yeah, way before he's on Johnny Smith's podcast or YouTube channel, um, a long time before all that stuff. But he's a busy guy as well. And I think he was flying out to the States shortly after from memory. 
Um, so it was really hard. We kind of agreed that we'd do something together, but when just it just didn't happen anytime soon. Well, every now and again, I kind of reached back out to him over on Instagram and said, just thought I'd check in, see how you are. Um, normally got some sort of polite reply, but it was, again, same thing. It's timing a lot of these things. And clearly I must have timed it right because he got back to me and said, yep, defo, let's do this. Um, let's pick it up, talk on email, get the date booked. Um, and then that's it. So we've booked the date finally. So, but I think what I'm going to do this, I'm going to approach this slightly differently to um, lots of the other times Mike's been on podcasts or YouTube channels. And rather than focus on his kind of um, his backstory and kind of what, you know, his general interest in cars, but really focus on his Porsche experience and his kind of love of the brand because he really, really loves Porsche. Um, and he's got a car that he built, he brought over from the States and he built, and I don't want to spoiler alert too much, um, but it's a fascinating story of that car on its own. And we got chatting about that some time ago. So I, the plan is I'm going to go to his place, his house, sit down with him. So if you've seen any of the heritage episodes on YouTube, Rengineer on YouTube, um, there, it will be shot in exactly the same way. And that's kind of one of my promises to the channel, to you guys, to everybody listening is that actually irrespective of whether it's, um, you know, a, a you, me, normal car enthusiast, whether it's somebody that's, um, particularly well known in the industry, like a Magnus Walker kind of person, or if it's a, an industry journal or TV personality, I want exactly the same experience for you and for me and for them. I want them to feel like a normal person. They can just kind of relax, not have to worry about kind of putting the whole TV persona stuff on and actually just focus about being into the brand, what their experiences are, what their plans are for the future, what the love of the car comes from. So, um, yeah, really, really, really good booking. I was so happy to get that sorted. Um, and on the other side of the fence, another guy I met probably, I don't know, probably last year, I think it was, a guy called Matt Pickering. And he's been on Niners Unplugged already with um, my good friend Frank, Frank Cassidy uh, from Boxing Gas. Uh, and I love him. He's, I think he's a really nice guy. We um, love him. It's probably a bit of a stretch. Eh, I throw that around all the time anyway. Um, he's a really lovely guy. He's got a really cool art car 914. So all graffitied up. It's so cool. Um, he's having a bit of trouble at the moment mechanically with the car. So I'm going to kind of be a bit of patient and wait for him to kind of start wrapping that up and at least get to the point where he's not feeling a bit defeated by it. Um, and then we're going to do another heritage episode there. So I think you can start seeing the, the themes now, right? So there's a build between Ren builds, which is my car or the Ren 550 and get onto that in a sec heritage. And it's a lot about the cars and the people and their experiences with their personal Porsche or the brand and then uh, tech talk. And we'll get into tech talks because there is a shift. You will see a shift now from coming out of the, some of the heritage episodes after this one, that this episode is particularly going to be on. Um, and then moving into Tech Talks again, because it's about time to start talking about the REM 550, what my plans are, where I am with it all, funding it. Um, and I've backed up some of this stuff now for quite a while, quite a long while. Um, and I want to start getting that content out of there as well. So in the next few weeks, you're going to see, uh, you're going to start to see, you're going to start to hear, I always flick between YouTube and podcasting and never get it right. Um, but you'll start to hear some of those conversations take place uh, about the technical elements of building a car. 
Um, this fundamentally, this channel, yes, it's all about the people. Yes, it's all about the Porsche brand, but also there is a thread of engineering that's going to run through it. And I've said this lots of times in the past. Engineering is a catch-all for lots of different disciplines. I am a registered engineer working on my chartership. Um, I am qualified. And someone called, it's so funny, someone called me out on, um, uh, it was one of the earlier episodes and said, uh, such an obvious, he, he's such an obvious newbie or something, something like that anyway. Um, and then I said, I think you probably, it'd be probably worth you going away and having a quick look, Google me, um, just to demonstrate the fact that actually I, I'm, not, I'm not a graduate. I've been around doing this for a while, but there are threads and disciplines to engineering. Um, and then the guy came on afterwards and said, oh yeah, fair enough. So I thought it was hilarious. Um, but yes, so you're going to see some tech talks coming up if you're watching on the YouTube channel, or you're going to hear them if you stay on the podcast, whichever is good for you. Um, do reach out and let me know. I, it's, it's interesting to see and hear from people when they're, um, what, what channel that, what kind of version they're listening to or watching, what the preference is. Um, I do want to keep refining the channel and the podcast. And, and if I know that there's people that are more interested in one style or another, um, that always helps me as well. So keep that feedback coming, which is also a core thread that runs through engineering, right? Is direct feedback, um, critical thought, that sort of stuff. So I, I, I care more about the quality and the experience and the user centric focus. You guys are my user. You are listening to this. I want you to have a good experience. Without getting that level of feedback from you, it's really hard to know whether I'm getting it right or whether there's stuff that needs to be fixed. So please reach out and tell me. You can do that either emailing me, info at reengineering.com, or you can head over to Instagram and it's at UK on Instagram. Either of those ways you'll get out with me. But yeah, let me know what you think anyway and what you think you want more of or less of. What else before we get into the episode? Um, one of the things that I saw from my friends over at Design 911 this week is that they've released the uh, Sport Classic style um, 997 uh, bumper kit. And, and you can get your own exhaust made up that will fit the exhaust aperture on the back. Um, and it got me and a couple of other people thinking about, wow, I'd actually really like to do that. Outlaw Gear, who um, I've talked about Outlaw Gear before, and there's a um, Your Porsche story coming out from those guys as well. Um, but Outlaw Gear, they, uh, they we, we talked about doing a crossover and seeing if we could build one between us. Now, I mean, it's a bit of a punch, right? Because... Um, I've got enough to be getting on with, with my car, my Outlaw Cayman and uh, the Ram 550 without building another car, but maybe at some point in the future, we'll see how the monetizing goes, but it kicked off a bit of a thread in my head about um, maybe I should take each generation of Porsche and do a YouTube episode with a virtual build. So if I was going to, if you threw me the keys to a car now that was kind of in mid build and I was like, right, I'm going to start from scratch, rip it all apart, what would it look like? And just start doing some of those. Um, so let me know if you think that's a cool thing to do. Literally from the three, five, six up, um, and I'll just kind of, you know, draw it, do it live. Um, yeah, let me know. So uh, anyway, heading towards this uh, heritage episode. Then, so this was shot probably about eighteen months ago. No, it wasn't. It was shot six months ago. Oh my god, I have to go do so much editing with this. Uh, it's shot six months ago with a chap that owns a 997.1 GT3. His name's Henry. Um, you will know the car more than the person. And the car, the car is Moon Miles GT3. 
So particularly in the UK, the car's pretty well known because it's a super high mileage car. I'm always really interested in people that, um, no judgment here by the way as well. So if you own your car and it's, an, it's your prized possession and you do minimal dry miles and it sits on axle stands, as long as you love that car, I'm in. I think that's great, as long as you're happy with it. Um, if you like to run it every single day, all the way through the winter, all the way through the salt and snow, um, and you drive up to the Swiss Alps in the middle of the snow, and you can pull that off and you love it, that's also cool to me. And no judgment whatsoever. This one, this car is the latter, basically. So it, it has previously been run up to, I think, 170 something thousand miles. And now uh, Henry has picked it up from that previous owner and is um, kind of starting to nurture it, keep it a little bit tidy than it had previously been kept and starting to try and hit the mileage that it would take to get to the moon. So that's where Moon Mars GT3 came from. Um, so I'm going to hand over to me now talking to Henry about his experience with that car and his plans for the future and I'll catch you back up at the end. Welcome back to the Engineering YouTube and podcast and I'm here with a uh, guy I've known for probably 18 months, maybe coming up to two years and and I think the car's probably more well known than the chap, but the chap's lovely, um, been on the podcast before, so I think episode 10 or 11 or something like that when we were walking around Goodwood. Um, Henry, welcome to the channel. Thank you. Good to see you, mate. Likewise. Uh, Likewise, this thanks is, for coming over. No worries. This is... Moon Miles GT3. Now, if you've, um, I first spotted this on Piston Heads, I think it was probably a little while back. Um, love the story about it. We'll get into that in a minute though. But if I can take you back to childhood days, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what was the first kind of always cars? Because this it is was always, always, it was cars. always cars. Right. When I, was, when I was kids, that's apparently what I ever played with. Yeah. Um, those kind of, I had like a like a kitchen drawer cut out full of my toy cars and parents would do it under the house. They had all those wallpaper tubes and right. <laughs> I seemed to be just interested all day, just like setting up the wallpaper tube in an angle and flying the cars Mega. down there. Like Hot that Wheels. Was... Were they Hot Wheels or Matchbox or? Oh, it would be Matchbox back Matchbox. then. Yeah. I don't think Hot Wheels was invented. Matchbox, probably some other makes I, I can't remember. Corgi. Corgi, Dinky. Yeah. No, Dinky's probably older still, isn't it? That's like know, 60. No. There might have been some. They're, they're still actually in the, other, in the other side of the house. Are <laughs> oh, they? Yeah, yeah. Your kids play with them? Uh, the ones I let them play with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got like a pile of good ones and a pile of like, ah. There's, there's, there's one or two that are personal faves. That Which just, ones are they? Um, there's a an F40 that I painted multiple colours. It, it came oh, white okay. and right. then it came with these like coloured pens that I painted all over it. That That's the main one that I remember. And then... Yeah, go on, sorry. Um, when I went to granddad's house, he had a small selection. Yeah. So it's not so much the cars, but the the fact that it was granddad's. So he had a right. transporter lorry and I just used to put them on top of that. And he had an cool. articulated lorry with just an empty box and I used to throw them inside the, That's so the box cool. at the back. So it's, those are the special ones, but everything else is... Uh, I love the fact that you still got them though. That's amazing. Because I, I was um, shot an episode with PJ Gibbons and his 356 a couple of weeks back. Mm. And we got talking about the same thing, Matchbox cars. And I said to him then that actually, I had the F40, I had Test Rossa 512, uh, the F40 and I think the F50. And they all came from, um, you could cut coupons out of catalogs. Was it Shell? 
Shell, no, say, Shell. Yeah, it must have been Shell. So I got, I, I collected some of the Shell ones, but they were, that was later in my life. Was it? So they were, I don't know what scale they would be, but they'd be something like that. Oh, uh, no, they, this was still, like yeah, yeah, no, this was ones. still um, bigger than Micro Machines, but. The next yeah, one up. The next one up for Micro Machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I love those things at Sudley. I'm, I'm going to, th- this, now this conversation's come up twice in the last month, I'm going to go on eBay. <laughs> I think I'm going to buy the same <laughs> ones again. Yeah, cool. Um, so lots of playing with tubes, lots of Matchbox cars. Where did it go from that? Um, and then I got into F1. What year was this? What sort of era? I remember it was halfway through the 91 right. French Grand Prix Manicor. Uh, I would have been seven. So, so Stena, Stena um, Prost. It was, I think Mansell, Mansell yeah. won that one. Was Prost in the sport? He must have been in it at that point, probably yeah. Ferrari. But it was it was the season where Senna eventually beat beat Mansell. But um, it was halfway through the race. It was just randomly on the TV. I didn't even know that that sort of thing existed. So I knew right. cars existed driving around on the road, but sure. I didn't know that kind of racing cars existed. Um, and then I was hooked. Since then, I barely missed an F1 season. Really, and that, and even that was all the way through to the to, to the modern day, still pretty much. I don't get to watch every race, but I always catch up. Essentially, yeah. Um, and even if it's one of those die years like it is this year, I always find something that, that interests me, that That's keeps cool. me hooked. But yeah, since that midway through the 91 season, the first full race I watched was the British Grand Prix. Yeah. Because that was came immediately after Manny Corps. I was a bit annoyed with mum and dad because <laughs> I'm like, why didn't you tell me about this? Why, this yeah, why have we gone this long in my life? Seven and years old. But, um, but UK, that's, that's like, for me, apex Formula One. I don't think there's really a year since like there, there's that batch of years late 80s early 90s that's been perfect mm-hmm. um this week i think the keanu reeves but jensen yeah. I did you yesterday. yeah mate yeah. i haven't seen it yet don't no sport no spoilers um it's good it's, it's, it's worth watch. watch yeah because that that season so 2007 that was 2007 wasn't it 2009 2009 oh yeah. god um so i'm one of those geeks that, you know the sebastian vessel thing where you can count back all the world i can do that Till I started, and maybe, wow. maybe well, no, it's a, it's till probably the late eighties. I, I can just because I follow those years intently. Yeah, I can't, I'm yeah. not like a um, like Rain Man and can do it all the way back to nineteen fifty. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, was, it was my thing since since then. Wow, that's cool. So Formula One starts to get properly in your blood. Yeah, you're still playing with Matchbox cars, probably. If you like me, just about maybe just about. some slightly bigger ones by that time, um, uh, like RC cars and things like that, or not really RC cars. Lived in London, so there wasn't really much okay. place to take them. But I had a little scale Electric, so it was a smaller right. scale one. I can't remember that. Was it Tommy? Yeah, um, it was like half the size again right. in London, not as much space. But I used to love that. Um, went to the British Grand Prix a couple of times with mum and dad, so that was in you'll know the year, I can tell 95, 96. It could have been so, 94, 95, but no, I think Damon it was 95, 96. Well, you're testing my F1 knowledge, but is that Damon Hill's year, 96? Yes, but he didn't win. Um, what was it? What, 95, was, 95 was when him and Schumacher had the yeah. first or second coming together that year. And I can't remember who. One of the years Herbert won. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember if that was five or six. And I, I honestly can't remember the other year, but I enjoyed it. Silverstone's one of those places, though, where 
you sit <laughs> ten thousand feet back from yeah. the track and you can yeah. you can barely see any of the racing, but it was it was good to go. The atmosphere. I, I, I've been to Silverstone a few times, never from the Formula One though. It's just got to the point now where it's such a lot of money and it's such a, a th big thing, right? It's almost more about, or it seems like it anyway, because I've not been, but more about the event than it is about the actual racing itself. I think if yeah. I was going to go to Formula One race, and I'm, I'm going to try in 2024 because one of the guys that was on the channel really early on is a friend of mine and he's now a Formula One race team and um, race team mechanic. Oh, nice. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, so I've been invited out to a European race. So if you've got a tip, let me know which one you'd go to. I went to Monaco this year and it was amazing. Is it what you wanted, what you expected? Had you been to Monaco before? I, know, I hadn't been, I'd, I'd never even been to the place before. Right. Um, it was better than I thought because I like places like Goodwood, the nostalgia, but also the fact yeah. that, that you can get close in and you can talk to people. Yeah. And you don't really get that at F1. Yeah. But I guess because there's no other place to put people at Monaco. Oh, mate, you're you can see, right? You can see on the TV, the grandstands go straight into the, the track. Yeah. And we were sat the Saturday opposite the, or just before the swimming pool. Yeah. So they go through that fast 90 left and then they've got the quick left right. So the, the straight between those two corners. And that was a brilliant place to sit. And then really? the Sunday we had tickets just before the final corner, Raskas. Yeah. Which was good. We were close, but not, not quite as good. Um, but I guess because they've done it for decades, they know how to move the people in and out. Yeah, yeah. And you're so close to the action. And the atmosphere is amazing. Yeah. Um, you can you see it, because I was only there a couple of months back. And you can see it even out of races or that period, whether it's the historic or the Formula One or whatever, it still buzzes with that kind of same same feeling of like when you're there it's got like a, a fizziness to it the whole thing there's constant mm. people walking around and it, it just it feels electric there you there's, know? A, there's a you're walking in so we got we got the the train in and the train stops pretty high up right um and then you're walking down the roads to get to the track and you go a different way depending on where your grandstand is but yeah. you're walking effectively down a steep set, uh, hill zigzagging down and the, the view's amazing, and you can start to hear things before you can see things as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but half the shops are to do with F1. So I, I, yeah. I can imagine that. I've never been there, um, aside from this year. So I, I can't say, but going for historic, I think, would be a pretty cool really thing cool as thing well, yeah. yeah. Let's get back to your car journey then. So, yeah, you've got Tommy cars. You've been like uh, 12, 13 years old, something like that now? Probably some, something, something like, like that. that. Um, Mum and Dad took me go-karting a few times. Yep. I was really into it. But... Quick? In, matter, in a car? Or? I like to think so, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, probably not. Yeah. Um, I wanted to try and do it as a hobby, but Mum and Dad wouldn't let me. Um, understandably, because it cost a huge amount it's of money and we didn't, we didn't have that. So yeah. that was fine. Obviously, as a kid, you don't quite understand that. Like, I really want, I want to do this every yeah, weekend. But, um, yeah, all of that. No, that, that was good. And then when I was 17, passed my test, um, I still think the instructor went easy on me because I did it as soon as the England-Argentina World Cup match. Oh, OK, right. Uh, and it's after Beckham scored that penalty and we won 1-0. So right. I think the instructor just... It was like, ah, you can be anyone. as crap as yeah. you like today. <laughs> you get a freebie. freebie. Uh, the, the only one thing I needed to make sure I didn't do was just everyone else was driving around hooting their horns. And people were just, and I just had to be like, just handed, still in like, game mode. Quarter to three and just look straight ahead. Yeah. Um, where secretly I wanted to join in. Um, 
And then did that open it? Because for me, it opened having a car just opened the world up. It was it was night and day the difference between not having that transport. I had a crap moped, a Honda P. If anyone knows what a Honda PF fifty is, I had a Honda PF fifty. Um, it's one of those ones that you had little pedals on, mm-hmm. um, but you can go anywhere. And then having this car for the first time, it was just like yeah, it was it was everything. So did it give you that same sense some, of freedom? To some or? extent, I think. Growing up in London, where you can kind of get everywhere without a car, you right. probably don't have the same. Now we're sitting in my garage, which is out in the country. Yeah, it is. Yeah. If I pass my test today, I definitely feel that. But, yeah. Um, I think in London, it's more the fact that I like my cars and I could go and drive, and, and, and no one could say no, which which was really good. And, and um, I don't know about you when you were growing up, but um, similar sort of age. Mm. Insurance cost an absolute fortune. Oh, mate. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm assuming it's kind of just as bad now as it was then, but it was unaffordable. Really, really was. I couldn't, you can just get anything really. So. Well, it, I was, when would I pass on it? Early 2000s. So the sort of cars that my friends had were sort of second gen Quintos or maybe even yeah. first gen Polos. I can't remember what generation there, little Fiestas and, yeah. and things like that. And insurance was like, 3k yeah again in london yeah, yeah. there's there's an additional to bolt on there. they did that saxo deal didn't they i think you could get a two years free insurance with it or something like that that's why saxo vtrs and bts a new one yeah so you had to pay all a load all of money, money for a new one which yeah. was just out of the question but that was the day of the vtr the vts mm. i remember those mm. i wanted a vtr the vts just seemed unobtainium yeah if i've got it the right way around i can't even remember yeah yeah the vts was the 16 i was a a big peugeot guy so 106 and vts were the same car basically Mm. um and the vts was the was the the daddy of the two i knew i didn't want a 106 because dad had his car being serviced and he got given like a little 1.0 106 and it was just horrendous going down the motorway probably about 65 miles an hour it felt like it was going to fall to bits right (laughs) so they, they never ever got a look in yeah but um so what did you have then? You, so, what did you buy? Porsche 924. Shut up. <laughs> Seriously. So there's a little hot hatches, three to four grand. To yeah, yeah. Ish. 94, still a lot. Two and a half to insure. Wow. Second year about 15, 1600. Wow, that's madness. And I guess that's because there just wasn't the stats for them to put. It must have been something like that. You got any theories? So... I was a bit disheartened that everything was too expensive. Yeah. And you didn't have, like, compare the market back then. You of course had... not, yeah. Tesco was, for some reason, the go-to insurer, the cheapest one, the one that always did the young drivers at that time. Mm. And they had a very basic we- website that you just put in the car details. So it was a question of just going through everything on Autotrader. Wow. Until you found, like, a little... The gem. The exception, there's a, there's a couple, but that that was just... Um, yeah, didn't make any sense. But I guess they didn't either didn't have the stats, mm. or maybe if they did have the stats, they were skewed by some people that had done well and yeah. didn't put any claims in. Yeah. Or maybe there's a theory that if you've got something that's half nice, you look after it. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah, that makes sense too. Either way, you got yourself into a Porsche. Uh? Yeah. On well, your first Porsche's, car. Porsche's fine if you, Porsche's if fine. you live in the UK. Everyone, yeah. Everyone, Everyone gets it. It's just different pronunciation. Um, That's mad, though. It's, it was really. Did you feel could, like, wow, I'm, you know, very, very lucky. This, very, you know, did it feel special? Yeah, really special. Yeah. It was a 1984 car in white, 94 Lux, but 
Lux basically means base model. So um, don't don't let that fool you. But it had it was an eighty five model year car, which meant it had navy blue, nearly black cloth seats with little embossed yeah. Porsche logos. Yeah, that yeah. everything else had the sort of Pasha or the brown pinstripe, which I guess it's sort of fashionable now. Yeah. But back then, particularly in ropey condition, it well, just not looked thing. awful. And yeah. these look smart. Um, and it hadn't done that many miles, maybe 80-odd. Um, and generally in good neck, because they do right, they like to rust those things. So, As far as as far as far we could tell, it was in good neck. And it actually, it actually did really well for us. Um, there were a few ropey, rusty runs, but yeah. it was towards the end of its model line, generally being looked after from what we could tell. Um, and then, yeah, got into that. And right. I had that until six months ago. Six months ago? Yeah, and when I say I had it, the family had it. So. Oh, dude, did you not want to buy it back? Did you want no, to no, just we, acquire we, it? It died a death by that point. Uh, it was it was best to let it go somewhere else. Really? Um, it was sad to see it go, but... So I had it from when I was 18. So even though I passed at 17, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it yeah. took me the best part of another year to, to get a car. But um, I had it from then, took it, to, took it to uni, had it a few years since when I was back in London. And it was just costly to put fuel into it mm. and insure it, even though it was cheaper than it used to be. Um, and three grand a year, a third on insurance, a third on fuel, a third on maintenance. Yeah. yeah. was a lot to a young 20-something trying to build For a sure. career and, and anything like that. So I, I said to Dad, I want to I wanna get rid of it. He, he basically didn't want me to. So I gave, I gave it to him. We changed the title. Um, and it's been with him since. Um, Wild. And he was he was using it as his daily, although he had a couple that I guess were in the daily bracket until a few years ago, where mm. sadly a bit, had a bit of an accident, which means he couldn't use it anymore. Right. Um, and we moved it over here, but practically. So it was never in this spot that we. No, no. Um, somewhere else. I don't think with all the junk that I've got in here, I could sensibly get two cars in side by side yeah. and still move around. Um, yeah. So it was parked outside the the house um, and it was there for a couple of years it when it got taken up to us it was freshly serviced in MOT so it was good but it was gradually sitting outside and getting mm. a bit moss eaten and yeah it just it would have been sad to let it sit for a bit so we found um, I think Johnny Smith put a post on his Instagram about a young 17 18 year old lad who yeah. was I think he met him at um, Box and Gas or some, something similar up at Vista. Mm. Um, and he, I guess like me, it just got into his 924. So he had a, a 2.5, mine was a 2.0. Yeah. He has a 1986, 87, 2.5 that he loves. Um, and I just, mess I think I messaged him to say, I've got this. It'd be nice to see it go to a good home. Are you interested? Um, and then it took a while for dad to finally sign off on, really? on passing with it. But um, he took it away six months ago. I, think. I, I feel think better it's... about that now because, <clears throat> excuse me, I was, um, I was, I'm so nostalgic and get emotional about cars that I don't think I could have let that go. I would think I would have rather, I would have just mothballed it, stuck it on axle stands and left it in the corner of the garage somewhere. I would have literally wedged it in the corner. But, you know, if you're going to let it go 
kicking the cycle off again for somebody young and their experiences, that's a hell of a way for it to go, right? Rather than exactly. breaking it, which would have been heartbreaking, right? So, yeah. And and we'll, we'll get onto this one in a minute, but this is this is that car for me. And mm. we'll, we'll also probably talk about the fact that I've driven it very infrequently the last year. Yeah. And that's not because I don't want to, it's just I'm being so time poor. Yeah. And time poor on this, even more time poor on the other one. I just... If I had infinite time and money yeah. to get it restored, let it sit, would have kept it. Yeah, but I just knew Practical that wasn't going to happen. So yeah. we we had to. So before we get onto this, give yeah. me the greatest hits. Then what was the? So you had the ninety four, but you had that for a long yeah. time within the family. What what else? Because you've got a, a Yaris, GR Yaris next door, right? So which is a pretty cool car. But what else? Have, you know, they're very this and the Yaris are very different. So. Well, else has been in the so I had the '94. Then I was carless for for a few years, and then I started to earn a little bit of money at work, and I spent all of it on a on a Noble. Uh, oh wow! M12, M12 GTO3, yeah. not wow. the 3R. So that was the second one yeah. that came out. It's a 2.5 first. They all had the Mondeo or derivatives on the Mondeo engine. Yeah, with big turbos bolted on. Yeah. The three was a slightly um, bigger capacity engine, probably less or similar turbocharger. I can't remember. Yeah. Slightly quicker than the 2.5. Then they had the 3R, which was the one that had the lens covers on. Yeah. Which I think was the one that swapped a five for a six speed box. I could be wrong. And then they had the M400, which was a super quick yeah. one. Yeah. But because those cars have been around for a while and were super rare and generally they're pretty pretty reliable because mm. the internals were, were good, but it's all the extra bits that people have put on top that right. it didn't have a development life cycle in that people just upgraded over time. Mm. So mine had an LSD, which it didn't have from factory, had a few things done to the engine and turbocharger, larger intercooler, not not for increased performance, but just a Health better- safety of the uh, car. <laughs> exactly, yeah. a better heat management. So yeah. some of the bits that the later cars had, that had as well, and that that was great. Um, but I was living in London at the time, so it was more of a I want. The it was car. road legal, right? It wasn't. It was. It wasn't like full track slicks, pop up jacks. No, it, it wasn't that. It was. It was really nice. It was a deep maroon, the mm. same maroon as they had on the Top Gear test car. Or those yeah, yeah, yeah. Car. Well, um, when you said about the M12, my head went immediately to Clarkson driving that thing. Yeah, it's pretty iconic. That was the peak of Top Gear, I think. That kind of era when they when that that was getting. It probably would have been right at the start of the years when they did it in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was a it was a beautiful colour. Um, it had been well looked after, but for that car, it had a relatively high mileage. It was mm. about forty five. Right. Um, I bought it off a Scottish guy in Aberdeen. I think I got an easy jet about five o'clock. Landed in Aberdeen, got over to his house about midday. Bought it an hour to panic because the funds wouldn't clear because it was a week. Oh shit! And um what did i buy it for early 20s right so it meant that i needed to do three transfers of 10 10 and something else and the first first couple went through and the last, the last one was one taking didn't... ages oh which, no which was annoying both of us and then um journey back to london got home about 10 30 at night so that was a long day fair play um but that was really good. i love i love the car yeah. But I had it for about a year and then I decided to move it on because... Same reasons, London, city It was stuff. It was London and I just got... For me, that was a lot of money at the time. Yeah, it's and a lot of money anyway. Set, it's a lot of money anyway. I had to get a separate car parking space. Of course. It didn't have a 
electricity in it, which is an oversight on my side. So yeah. I just needed to use it, even if I just to move it for a bit. So when it was the best day ever and I was out in the countryside, amazing. But yeah. half the time it was a chore. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, that I stuff decided, gets old, right? After pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, it was an itch, effectively, and was me going carless for a couple of years, wanting something. Yeah. Um, and then I just went carless for another couple of years before I actually did need to move around outside of London. So I got myself brand new, a Mark 7 Golf GTI. Nice. Um, it was at the time where there was just oversupp uh, oversupply and little demand. So mm. you could get so much discount on a new car. It made it comparable to a couple yeah. of years old second hand, which was strange. Is this the sort of same time you could get a lease Golf R, the first Golf R for pennies per month and things like that? It was just a joke. There's some yeah. of the, the yeah. money that was banded around for those. Yeah. Um, and VW give you a two grand finance contribution, which they don't on the second hand stuff, which mm. effectively cancels cancel out the pricing differential, even if you were yeah. to pay off the financing agreement, it, it's, it makes it the same. So that yeah. that was great. Um, had that for a few years before, moved that on, and that was, um, moved it on early into meeting my wife, where we had two cars between us, and there's no point keeping two. Yeah. Um, moved that on, and within a year or so, decided I needed something else, so I bought myself an early 996, which which I had probably for two or three years. I can't remember exactly. It was it was the one that the enthusiasts go on about, so an early 98 car with yeah. the throttle cable rather than the electronics, yeah. um, no sunroof, um, C2, so it's kind of as light as they came. Yeah, yeah. Um, silver, black interior, they all were pretty Silver, much. black interior. Yeah. Um, yeah, finding a silver one is pretty easy. Yeah, to see them, yeah. Uh, it's silver or silver or dark blue seem to be the, the, yeah. the most common, and I definitely prefer the silver. Yeah, I know. And that, yeah. anything other than a black interior or that really deep navy, I just I couldn't deal with. So I was lucky to find one. Mm. Um, and it was high mileage, so there's a theme emerging. as There is. About 150-odd. Okay. Um, the guy owned it down Bournemouth Way. Yeah. And James from Barnesport used to look after it. Um, so I got him so to... So had some provenance to it. Uh, yeah, the, the, the guy that had it before me was an enthusiast. The guy before that looked to be as well. Mm. They'd done sort of sensible stuff to it, like the ceramic bearing upgrades cool. and, and various other sort of preventative measures. Um, so it, it, it looked in pretty good nick. It had um, it had the... Oh, I can't remember, is it the twist alloys? Yeah. Similar to the ones that you have on your Lupo, actually, but the hollow spoked. Yeah. ones which are supposed to be the really light ones um semi-solid engine mounts a couple of other little bits and bobs i did a few bits to it so um what did i do nothing nothing outrageous but i improved the brakes and actually this if anyone's listening that's got a 996 don't just chuck bigger discs on it but do the other stuff so mm. we changed the the master cylinder we yeah, changed GT3 the brake master pipes cylinder. yeah we put yeah we put the gt3 master cylinder on we changed the brake pipes for is it steel or braided yeah um there was something else we did that i wish i remember and then we put gt3 brake ducts as well yeah and better pads and left they're this. all this is all fairly inexpensive stuff to do as well but well, that's none of that stuff is huge money you know and you're not adding weight to it no. as well uh, and that made the world a difference right like the brake pedal was 
firm, but to get any real bite in it, you had to really push it Stamp through the it, floor. Yeah. Here, it, it felt like a race car. That's so if awesome. you've ever driven a race car with it, it's just, it feels like you're just pressing a block of wood. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. In, in a good way, right? There's, it's firm, there's feel, but mm. you, you get bite from the top. And I, I did enjoy that car, um, but we swapped it for this, essentially. And this was this was something that I couldn't refuse. No, um, and we are coming to the point at hand. Um, Moon Miles, that Monaco given by you to the car, or did it come? I can't remember whether it came with the car or you kind of gave it. No, the it came with the 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 tagline came with the previous owner. The miles came, or most of the miles came a little bit with the previous owner, but one owner, I don't know, maybe owner two, three. I don't think it's the first mm. had it for a. I'm going to make it up roughly because I can't remember exactly, but say six or seven years. Yeah. And he took it into Europe and did 10, 20,000 miles a year up and down autobahns, having yeah. a time of his life as far as I understand it. He, he had a 996.2 GT3 that he did exactly the same on before nice. this one. And just um, just for the both the audience listening and watching, this car is a 997.1. Yes. In And just go through the spec. Um, so I think the name is basalt black. It's the metallic black, the one yeah. with the, the fleck. Um, it's got carbon ceramic discs still on its original discs, as far as we understand, which is insane when we get to the mileage yeah, yeah. in a little bit. Um, it's got a, it's got a cage. It's got the, uh, Porsche bucket seats that we've put a little Apollo I love that thing. on the, uh, I love that thing. Yeah. on the back. Um, I'll drop some B-roll in there and you can see the, the car in its fullest. But yeah, carry on, mate, please. Um, that's, that's the spec, pretty much, isn't it? As, as far as it goes, black on black, on black um, club sport pack, effectively. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's my ideal spec. I think the different generations of GT3 look best in different colorways. Yeah. For this generation, I, I like the black the best. Yeah. Particularly with the silver wheels. Yeah. Um, Black or grey, I just I can't I can't get. I can't get that range, essentially. Yeah, so yeah, it, sure. to me, it looks perfect. Cage the seats, it makes it feel special yeah. when you drive it. Yeah, especially Less, coming out of a noble and things like that. You know, it's you're gonna want that rawness. Like there's a and especially with the well, 906 and having like that firm brake pedal. This kind of feels like an amalgamation of those cars, but in a more usable package. Is that yeah. right, fair? Yes. Um, and actually, I have, as a, as a comparison, I, I drove the 992 GT3 last year, had a day with yeah. the car, and that's a further degree of usability, but it loses mm. the specialness to me. Yeah. You have to do like nut speeds to, for that to feel exciting, yeah. whereas here you could just be pottering around and there's still bits that, that keep you amused from mm. the race car feel of sitting in the bucket seats to the, the noise, the way the pedal box feels, the, mm. the steering. Um, I'm just, I'm not on board with electric steering. It's sure. just that you mentioned the Yaris next door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with my Golf, the same with that 992 GT3. It just, it feels a bit computer gamey. Mm. And I find the weight actually quite disturbing on those because it doesn't, it adds weight, but it doesn't really mean or, or tell you anything. So the steering on, the steering on this is fantastic. Um, and, and with a decent geo set up by Barnsport, I'm guessing. Uh, or a yes. decent geo. By somebody 
So we recently changed the geo and I kind of want to change it back. Oh, we've really? Lost, we've lost some of that. So some of that spark. We, we didn't quite know what the geo was, but we moved away. So mm. we, we recently put a, a, did a bunch of changes and, and just sort of um, upgraded a few parts or just refreshed a few parts. So we put some lower arms on and, yeah. and effectively we needed to re-geo. Yeah. Um, and we couldn't quite sort of see what the previous geo was trying to achieve essentially. So we decided to put it back to stock and then we'd evolve it from there. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and roughly speaking, there's people that know more about this than me, but we went from slightly, from almost neutral or very slightly toe out of the front to toe in. Oh, okay. The rear, roughly, I can't remember. There's a bit of difference there, but I can't, actually can't remember which way around. Mm. We've got less camber on it. So um, it felt more darty, before a lever so slightly less stable, but before it felt alive, like yeah. you, turn, 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 turn the steering wheel and immediately yeah. decides where it wants yeah. to go, um, which was slightly perturbing when you want sort of you're doing a long motorway drive to get yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, and you kind of want to relax, and the weather's a little little bit dodgy. There's there's tram there's lines, like, you know. Oh, Ruts, all those sorts of things. You're like, whoa! Completely, but the no the noble was like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well and, versed. And I do it. like the race car feel. Yeah, yeah. So I liked it, but there was a bit of me that just said, look, it's a it's a bit of a pain on long journey. So let's yeah. let's go back to what the factory says is right for this and evolve yeah. it from here. Yeah. And I've lost a bit of that sort of in the, sort of yeah quick direction change at the front there's more of a dead spot in the center yeah um so it just needs a, a bit of a yeah if it's towing in slightly then just bring in neutral and then try that and then you know maybe yeah we'll, 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 we'll it, evolve but, it the, yeah. the back's a little calmer so the back like to skip a little bit before and that's mm. that's not quite as as yeah skipping anyway off before, off so. geo i mean yeah um, so so uh, the, the thing that of this, and I, I think it's when I first saw it at Goodwood, the condition of it belies the mileage, mate. It doesn't, and I know you've taken care of it pretty well, but the paint looks amazing. The wheels look perfect. The interior shows a little bit of age, but not what you would expect. And I don't know if that's Porsche in general or this particular car has just, has just been treated really well. I don't know. So when, when I bought it... Um, I got in touch with, or in fact, I think just before I bought it, James had um, formed his alliance with Scott and built, built Barnsport. So mm. I think I'd taken my previous car, the 996, to Barnsport once Yeah. Um, at the end. And I got in touch with those guys. And in fact, the previous owner knew those guys as well. So he actually did me a favor and just ran it around to right. um, James cool. and Scott to have a look at it. And it got a very... Not perfect, but it got a very, very clean bill of health. Yeah. Um, sort of general comment was they'd seen cars that had done roughly a quarter of the mileage that are worse than this. Yeah. And I think that probably goes back to particularly the guy who was doing 20,000 miles in it. The service history is... Rock solid, right? Rock solid. Yeah. And I think we looked at we looked at the end. So it's got no over-revs in any of the rev ranges wow. at all. Um, the fact that the... The discs are still believed to be original, um, and the average speed I think was in the high forties mph. So the actual hours on the engine are, are not as high as um, mm. the, the mileage suggests, but it kind of supports the story that we think that he spent a long time just 
just hitting so, autobahns over, just over chilling Europe. out. Um, but there are little there are little things. There are stone chips on it. Um, on the um, behind the right right front, there's a little bit of gravel rash where <laughs> one of the previous guys did take it on track and put, put it in dip a toe in the yeah. in the gravel. So there there are little bits. It's not perfect, but for for its age, I think it is pretty exceptional. Stunning. You, you've had it detailed, right? You had a detail. I'll go over it and I did. Um, that was over a year ago now, yeah. and it's lost a bit of its sheen from that. Um, yeah. Yeah. The the thing, would I recommend a detail? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. I, I think you have to be sort of on it to keep that detailed finish. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I do recommend that I had done um, is the whole underside. I had it rust protected. Yeah, okay. Um, and there's a few different people that do this. I found a guy locally who's used to doing Land Rovers right. and is sort of semi-retired. It's sort of his hobby. Because you can, there's a few places that are popping up now. You can, and they just spray a whole black layer of just yeah, not great filth under the bottom. Yeah. And, and this guy was more that he'll look at the individual component, clean it up if there is any surface rust, and mm. put on what he feels is the best for it. So it felt like I could trust that guy a little mm. bit. But there was mm. there was one one component near I can't remember what it was, some kind of oil reservoir that had surface corrosion near. Um, back left corner, someone will know better than me, that I needed to get swapped out. And the previous guy to me had had the whole underside um, air blasted or whatever you call yeah, it, yeah, um, dry, ice. dry ice cleaned. Yeah, sure. So I, I, I suddenly thought, well, this one part has rusted over, it's all cleaned, but does it have the right rust treatment on? So I just mm. thought I better get it, I better get it checked out and, and now I can sort of sleep a bit easier definitely um but there's 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 nothing rotted under it so again no. it must have been garaged and looked after and cleaned and and everything so we're getting to the we, we've mentioned the name a couple of times and we talked about how many miles well not how many miles but we talked about the fact it's done a ton of miles it's done a ton of miles what, what are we on now right so as of today slight Slight disclaimer, your podcast slightly overemphasized uh, what, what, <laughs> All right. what the car is on. That, that Fine. Listen to a couple of weeks ago. So it's um, the moon miles tag is a target rather than achievement. Sure. So it's done, oh, I can't even remember, 178, 179 right. tell. No, it's done. No, it's done about one eight. Oh, I don't know. We can we can put something. In we'll it. have a look. We'll have we'll, 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 what it's done. It's done over seventy five percent of the distance. Put it that way. It's a few thousand kilometers shy of three hundred thousand kilometers. Which yeah, you yeah. get another sticker on that shortly. Yeah. Where do you get stickers um, from? Is it from Porsche directly? Though? Um, we had some made up. Or? I made them. Oh, that's, cool. That's, I mean, they look very. To, they look very official. That's so. a story to itself. Um, we can come back to that in a minute, actually, sure. because there's, there's some history behind that. People are saying, why have I put kilometres on rather than miles? But Yeah, where were we? Uh, I think, let's start from mileage again. So we just had a, we, we had a quick battery change, but we are, we did discover what the mileage is roughly now. <laughs> what, what's the mileage now? Uh, 184,000. So just over three quarters wedge. of the way to the moon, which is just under 240, yeah. I think. So it's, it's, it's really that aspirational target. Um, and maybe there's, there's one or two high, high mileage ones out there, but none that none that I know of. Um, and I think I'm not the guy who's putting a ton of miles on every year. Yeah. Um, now that I'm not responsible for the 
the chunk of those miles. I, I, I wish I was, but um, even if I wanted to, I just don't have the, the time with a yeah. young family and everything that, that entails. But um, the, the current sort of way that I'd like to continue the history is just almost like the 94 that we talked about earlier. This this is the car that's going to grow up with my family. So yeah, that's cool. my three-year-old is just about tall and heavy enough to be able to sit in the front. And my one-year-old is obviously only a couple of years behind. So yeah, yeah. Um, it will grow up with me. It will grow up with those guys as well. And and maybe at some point we'll, we'll hand it over to them. That's um, so cool. So that's, that's how we're going to continue to sort of keep the story going with it. Um, and I, I can't imagine letting my kids loose with this at the age of 17. <laughs> Can you but, imagine um, doing an insurance check when everything's like, yeah, I mean, it's expensive now, I think. I don't know what the current, so if you're in the UK and you're in your late teens, stick in the comments below about what you're, kind of per, what you're paying at the moment for car insurance because I'm completely out of touch. Um, but yeah, it's not going to be cheap, I'm sure. I have so no idea, but I heard a podcast recently where it's next to doubled for youngsters. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's basically the same thing all over again. Um, but this, I think the computer just says no. Yeah. Or I'd hope. Yeah, yeah. It's such a cool bit of kit, mate. So where, what have you done so far in terms of journeys? You know, obviously you're talking about the fact that you're not putting the big miles on it, but have you had any kind of special trips that you, any European no, jaunts or anything No, like no, no European jaunts just yet. Um, there's a few little trips that appeal. I, I deliberated whether I wanted to take it up to, to Norway this summer when I had a week to myself and 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 actually we we decided to um, do something else the particular summer but I'd I'd love to take it up to Norway Mm. albeit that's more of a I'd like to just take it to the destination because apparently the driving's not amazing because the speed limits are pretty low Um, but south of France is there Nürburgring kind of area whether I want to take it around the track I'm not sure but Mm -hmm. um it's a great road trip, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. And I don't, I don't know whether people will like or hate me for this, but as far as I see this, this is a special enjoy the miles, but not necessarily the stage in life, push it on a track. Yeah. Um, I've yeah. got some experience of track driving, but thankfully it's always been in other people's kit, um, which from a um, where I'm currently in life, I kind of want to keep it that way. Yeah, least, yeah you want to keep the now. sticky side down, right? And yeah. you know, the kids are the most important thing, and the family life's important. Yeah, risk becomes, I guess your risk appetite drops a little bit when you're. When but then, no, this this would be a fantastic track car, but a GT3 RS would be another level up. Yeah. Um, a Caterham, if you take a different direction, would be a better track car in 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 many ways. This is this is just a nostalgic vehicle with a great soundtrack. Yeah. So much. This was last Mexico, wasn't it? Like it last production was it? Dot um, twos last production. Dot twos were also Mexico. Yeah. And then the four point RS. Yes, of course, yeah. In terms of the dot one, I think the dot one turbo was Mexico, and the dot two turbo yeah. was something else. So it's, it was close. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, the engine's got so much character. Um, it's kind of different different rev ranges. It's kind of got mm. a different soundtrack. It evolves as you go up the rev, rev range rather than just. And it's standard, right? Rev. Exhaust standard. No, the exhaust isn't. The exhaust, um, what's the exhaust? A lot in? of the a lot of the car is standard, but the exhaust is a Sharpworks bypass. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, so yeah. Did you do that, standard. or did? 
previously done. Previous. I don't, I so you've not driven it without that? I haven't, no. Have you been? And it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Um, yeah, awesome. Have you been around or near one that has a standard exhaust to kind of compare and contrast between the two? Yes. Um, it just sounds a bit cotton woolly in comparison. Fine. And this is yeah. shrill and metallic and... Exactly. Yeah. Um, switchable on off. So you, oh, you get the both, best of both worlds. Um, but it, it is amazing. It makes the car, or the soundtrack generally makes the car, but this just accentuates it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if anything else isn't isn't really standard. I've had the um, PCCM Plus fitted yeah. this summer, which is amazing. Just for Game changer, usability. Right? Yeah. yeah. It means I don't have to have my phone with the sat-nav at a slightly jaunty angle, peering down. Squinting at it, yeah. yeah. And it's so it looks so factory. They did they do an amazing job with those PCCM pluses. Even this early stuff, the single DIN for the for the air cooled cars, you know, they look yeah, really Yeah, It looks well. neat. It looks like it was invented to be there. Well yeah. it was. I oh guess. exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean we're not there for nine, nine one, nine eight one generation yet, but um I can't think it'd be too far behind. This one did take a few years over the nine nine six to come out. Yeah. So it does it does take them a while. There were a few aftermarket ones I could have got in there earlier, but I just wanted the you wanted a little factory, the proper one, even yeah, a bit of a weight and a bit more money. So cool, nice dude. I love there's, it. There's not much you need to change on these, and running 4s as well. And was it a choice? Yeah. Did you think about Cup Twos, or is it just not 4s is perfect for what I need? Or you're not doing track days anyway, are you? So I'm not. I'm not doing track days. Cup Twos maybe if the conditions are perfect, but. You've been around here. There's there's lanes. There's leaves. Yeah, there's yeah. Um, it is it is not going out as a daily, but I'd like to be able to drive it in different conditions. Yeah. You don't want to have to wait for the myself. perfect day. Yeah, yeah. I get that totally. Yeah. Um, Anything it, prob it probably needs some new rubber in a bit, but I might get. Well, it depends whether the 5S or the S5 is worth the upgrade. But um, is that out yet? Is it quite? Not sure. Yeah. I've heard about it. I think people have reviewed it. I don't know if it's whether out. they've done an N-rated version or not. I don't know, but I'm not sure. There's there's enough there's enough tread on it. The rears are there's still a few male are being legal. Yeah, but they're getting lower. So they've. But lost then, like it. you said, you're not putting galactic miles on the thing to. It's probably they're probably time out before they run out. Well, that's so. that's the thing, right? I I, I thought about putting um, new rears on. Um, when I last had it serviced in the summer, but I knew I wasn't going to do many miles yeah. between then and maybe the start of spring and, and maybe for next summer is the time to, and then I can get the fresh date as well as the fresh tread yeah. because they are, I can't remember what the date stamp is, but I think they're about three or four years. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of point where again, the, is it actually rubber or is it if it's synthetic? But anyway, that that's when they start to just feel a bit limp yeah. anyway, even if there's tread. So yeah. get them changed when I actually, Put some miles on. Love it. I think it's one of the coolest cars out there. When it, uh, you're talking about it for sale, I thought this, and I can probably be completely barking at the wrong mm. tree, I thought this was on collecting cars or something like that at one point. So it was, and that's, I think, how the... So the guy who put all the miles on it mm. stayed quiet about it. That was his sort of what Just he wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it did come up on collecting cars roughly three years ago, I guess. Mm. And the guy who had it previous to me had it for about a year. And he actually did really well with it. 
as it is in, he can he put twenty k miles on in the time he had it, so he was really going at it. Yeah. Um, and he created the Instagram for it, um, and posted a lot more frequently than me on it. And, yeah, and, yeah, sure. Um, and and but got, created that kind because of, it's got its own, for want of a better word, brand around Moon Miles, right? It's got its own kind of. Yeah, brand's a bit of a strong word, but I think I think I know what you mean. Yeah, it's, it's kind of got its own personality and identity because of that. Mm. Um, identity, that's about word for it. Yeah. He when he sold me the car, he also passed over the Instagram, which was very yeah. nice of him. Yeah. Um, but also, what was he going to do with it if he didn't have the car? So true. Sort of a sensible decision as well. And I'm not a great Instagrammer, but we keep it topped up run, once in a while just mm. to let everyone know what's what's going on. Where with it, it is and what's that. Um and. Yeah, it's it's special to me. The story is special to me. I said I'd talk about the, the badges that are on there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Let's, let's, um, let's talk about those for a sec. So this this was something that I do like it when the, you sort of see the Magnus Walker and everyone's filled these little sort of back windows up with the stickers that yeah. sort of evidence what the car's done. Um, and over my time, I'm going to probably do a little bit the same just to sort of what I've done, what I've done with the boys with mm. it, for example, when we can start to have adventures together. Um, but... What I found when I was just trawling the forums is that Porsche as a company has been very proud of the reliability and the um, the fact that it builds cars to last. And on the 356s, there used to be an engine sort of grill badge that the Porsche mechanics put on yeah, every yeah, yeah. 1,000 kilometers, which is that one there. Gotcha, okay. Um, Okay. So I thought there must be a sticker for one of those and I couldn't find one or a badge that I could get or but I can't really screw a badge to anything. So yeah, I thought I'd get yeah. a sticker, but no one did it. So I just made my own essentially. And I've got the two, 100 to 200K and we're a few K away from the 301 and that's, that's ready to go. Um, you just got a little company locally to make them up or just order I found online, someone that could print. It was quite yeah. hard to find that someone could print with the, adhesive on the front yeah this is there's tons of tons of car stickers that got the adhesive on the back but after a few years they'll look tatty so yeah, finding yeah, someone true. that can print yeah. it on the front um was hard but essentially i just got the software out and built my own um i'd like to be able to offer them to other people but i'll probably get dinged with copyright oh you're bound to aren't you yeah i think yeah. i'm allowed to make them for myself but if i make them for other people then i yeah. think that's that's probably when someone would sorry guys that. But that is is easy to do because it's a circle, a couple of lines, and yeah. a Porsche logo. So um, it should be too difficult. An hour in software, and you can have your own. Yeah, yeah, mega. I love it, mate. And I'm really happy to hear that this is the one that's sticking. It's the one that your kids are going to see. And yeah, yeah, for me and for the channel generally. I hope you found with any of these episodes that actually it's about the stories around the car, not just the car itself. So um, cool. I think we're probably about done. Any the Yaris is going to go. You got anything you like? You going to add? Anything? Oh, I might be keeping the Yaris now. Thinking about it, I yeah. was I was deliberating swapping it for something else. Um, the Yaris is good. It's my station car. Right, it's, it's perfect. It's a for that. flipping nice station car, mate. Uh, it is nice for a station car. It's good for where I live because in the winter the roads get pretty gnarly. Um, it's just a bit boring. Yeah. Um, it's you need to be doing license losing speeds to get the most out of it and mm. going backwards to and from the station that's not what you're doing no. so I deliberated moving out of it but 
still tempted and not going to get the price that I, I thought yeah. I'd get out of that. Yeah. So I did have a friend that, that missed an allocation. So I thought I could um, let him have a known car, for, an, a known car for a decent price for both of us. Um, and that could get me into, for very little cost, what I'd want to swap. But mm. he now wants to continue to drive his <laughs> 997 to the station. So um, yeah. that's... Yeah, I, I felt like I was getting almost like a free swap in some ways, and, yeah, and yeah. that was one of the reasons for doing it. I'll still think about it, but might, might not. filling his duties at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I still have a hankering after an A110. I think that was the one that was going to win. Oh, uh, okay. I fancied an I8. I think they're fascinating. I think they're fascinating. Oh, mate, one came up. You'd have, you'd have appreciated this as well. I got offered one for 18 grand. Really? With 160,000 miles on it. The early years. Yeah. Car. Yeah, not a new one, obviously. But I was, uh, I mean, I was, I'm not a massive BMW guy at all, but just, again, in the similar vein of this, it was at the same time the Cayman came up, actually. Um, and I was like, wow, that's a pretty, I'd love to see, I'd love to see one taken on and kind of run yeah. out all the way through his life and see what happens. But I think they're yeah. phenomenally good value. It's one of these before it's time type cars. Definitely. It's not, I'd never driven one, so that like I didn't get far enough in the buying process to drive one, and see if I appreciated it. But I probably would have found some annoyance in the drive. Mm. But the economy of it, combined with the uniqueness and the specialness, yeah. and the actual relative plushness of the inside, yeah. and the fact that you switch the electric on and you could just have peaceful motoring when you just want to chill out and you put the engine back on and then mm. you're, you're you're back into that. It's got so much individuality going yeah. for it and when I've got yeah. something that can give me thrills here that I don't need something totally. else there um, the Audi A2 is another one that's I mean it's very niche again now but way before it's time all aluminium yeah. construction you know it's yeah. just an amazing bit of kit for what 2001 or whenever it came out 2000 I think it came out and I, I anything that's like that where a company's taken something as a, as a concept and then made it made it happen Basically the same as the, um, the R8 is another one, right? The, the, from start to finish and the TT, thinking about it, they just done a really good job of like, here's the concept. This is what we're building. Here it is. And but then not everybody gets it because it's a bit too far in the future. You know, it's a bit too ahead of its time. So yeah, and almost almost now, I I'm quite sympathetic to the global warming mm. cause. Um, not to the extent that completely prohibits me doing certain things. I think every everything in, in, in reasonable quantity. And if I think about all the new stuff that's being manufactured, the bit that, that we're missing out now is just the weight, which yeah. I think France has cottoned on to. Vehicles, I think if I remember rightly, get taxed based on their, their weight. Um, and I'd, if I'd like to see some helpful legislation come out, something that talks to the weight of the cars and the quantity of of material that goes into yeah. them. Yeah. Um, you talk about all these pollutants in the city and the particulates, all those little microscopic shreds of rubber and, and brake disc and brake pad particles that effectively multiply up by weight. I think those are the things that people would have to look at next. Mm. Um, and just less mass makes everything better, essentially. Yeah. Um, things last longer. Yeah. Um, you don't need to put such big brakes on a car because it's only half the weight and therefore yeah. you're saving again on on those things, which is 
where my thinking on the Alpine came in mm. sort of doubles up with this to a certain extent, but that kind of it's just felt, more usable, isn't it? You, it's just usable. Yeah. Um, the gearbox, the lightness, the you can sort of jump in it and go kind of thing, which I know it's overkill for a station car, but mm. a usable version of this essentially was was what I was thinking of. Yeah, and yeah. I still like I'd still like one of those one day at some type of stage. That'll probably happen. The I eight. I think I just need to sit in one. Defo. See if I get it or not. It just, It'd be fascinating it's, just to find it's, it's, it's one of those fascinating vehicles. It just more intrigues me. I don't know whether I'd I can imagine. Like the, so the comment section, I'm going to check back after this goes live, but there's going to be, I think, an army of IA haters saying, I did, oh, I did, and then uh, a load of people going, no, no, they're great. I did put a poll up a few weeks ago where I, I actually did was seriously contemplating changes and I said, should I stick? I think you said I should stick. Um, should I jump in an N2 comp? Yeah. Which is practical, but it was at least interesting to me. A110 yeah. or I8. I8 was by far the least. Yeah. But out of the followers I have, we had the most eclectic mix of yeah. people. The people that have been most around cars. So there's a couple of journos that follow. They went in the I8 camp, which I felt was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they clearly know something. Yeah. Well, it'll be fascinating to see what you do do with it. Probably and, stick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, probably stick and keep, I mean, it, keep it going for it's, a bit. Yeah, but I can totally get it. I can see the, you know, the, the I-8, the pain with that is the doors parking in a station and then someone parks oh, too to, close. Yeah, I'd have to get something at the edge, for sure. You'd have to, yeah, which limits, you know, and that's not what you want with a station car where you start got making you know, compromises about where you park and then you, you're a bit in a bit of a rush, you're two minutes to your train and then you're like, oh, I could not, don't want to do this today. You know, it's that moment. Yeah. But well, those are the practicalities you typically ignore when but, you make your decisions. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, Henry, thank you very much for your time. I really no, appreciate it. It's an amazing car. Um, yeah, looking forward to seeing what you do with it and I'm sure I'll see you at other events because we seem to frequent the same uh, shows and stuff so yeah thank you so much and Indeed. yeah let me know what you guys think about um, smashing ball miles and this thing are you a big fan of the 997 generation or is it earlier or later for you if you've got any questions for Henry I'm sure he'll pick those up in the comments as well for now though thank you ever so much and uh, we'll see you again next time take care everyone thank you Bye for now. wow there's a big old waffle at the start there wasn't there um Look, I hope you enjoyed that episode. It's he's a good guy. It's a really interesting car. Um, interesting hearing about the i8 of all cars as well. But it's not something that typically comes up in conversation very often. Um, and I, and I still will think. I wonder if I should have stretched and you know bought that i8 as a daily almost. You know, a twenty grand i8, um, especially because it's hybrid, not all electric. Um, yeah, you got a pretty cool car there. But uh, I wonder what happens as always in the future. It'd be interesting to see. Hey? Um, for now, though, that's it for this episode. I hope you've all had a enjoyable one for this one, and you've found it interesting. Do let me know, and I will see you next week. Uh, Sunday's another drop, and as I said, it's going to be starting to look at the Rem 550 and uh, those tech talks. The Rem 550, we're going to get into where the, what the state of play is right now. Start show, showing you some images, some renders of what that car looks like and uh, we'll take it from there for now though thanks ever so much for listening and i'll speak to you all very soon take care for now bye, -bye.